With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Andrew Schlecht is back in the building. Yes. So you know we're going to talk about Poku (laughs) and the Oklahoma City Thunder. But first... We're going to talk MVP race. We're going to talk about what the hell the Lakers should do. This whole thing seems like a total disaster right now. Um, And then we'll get to Oklahoma City and Poku Corner at the end. Uh, I had to get a I had to get a primary source in for Poku Corner this week because Poku is turning the corner. You see what I did there, Andrew? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We could do an hour on Poku if you want. Maybe we'll do we'll we'll save that for later. We need some more. uh... Some more Poku content, but one of these days we'll have an hour-long Poku pod. <laughs> um, look, Poku is not yet in the MVP race, uh, but he's in the MVP race of our hearts. Uh, we should instead rather talk about the guys who are actually in the MVP race to begin this episode. So my idea was just to do like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and just kind of run through everything that's happening so far at the top of the league in terms of guys that are legitimately in this race for MVP, because I can't remember a better start in terms of like on court product to a basketball season than what we've seen this year. First of all, league wide, like the teams that are at the bottom of the league are super fun and enjoyable. Like there's something that I can pick out of every single game on a night to night basis and just be like, this is great. I'm going to sit yeah. down and watch this. Yeah. Um, but more than that, I mean, we have Luca, who up until last night, you know, had scored 30 points in every single game so far and was averaging 36. Like Giannis has been unbelievable to start the year. It, it's just such a great start to a basketball season. Andrew, let's just start there. How much have you yeah. enjoyed this basketball season so far? It's been unbelievable. I I host one night a week a show called The Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA show feed. And it's overwhelming to sit down and watch the league right now because you're flipping through league pass. You're like, oh, I really want to talk about this game. No, I want to talk about this. You can't talk about all the games. You can't watch all the games. And so you have to like pick and choose. And like while I'm sitting and watching a game, I can I like see a stat from another game. Like, oh, we probably should be watching that one. Like there's just so much good basketball. And that's why... I have hated, and we're, and we're. I don't want to spend more than ten seconds on this. All of like the Brooklyn Nets BS that's been happening. Yeah, it's just been like, no, like please stop. The basketball is good enough. Can we just right. let's focus on that because there's so much good basketball from every single team, even the teams that stink, like the Thunder, the Magic, the Rockets. Those teams stink, but w- when we're talking about like players that interest you. There's a ton on every single team. Like, oh yeah, they're like, there's like really good. There's really good players on all of those teams, and they're all worth watching. Yeah, like the Rockets are the best example of that. The Rockets are a mess. Like I've talked about this, oh, yeah. like on like earlier this week. I feel like on the podcast we did an actual deep dive last week on it uh, with Mark Schindler. But like it, 
they're a mess. Like they, they, are. they are not a good basketball team. They're still super fun to watch. They're still like, thrilling. They, they, yeah. they still have KJ Martin. Shout shouts to KJ Martin because they have a lot of other guys, but KJ Martin has like been legit this year. I'm, I'm a yeah, big like fan you've, of him. You've KJ Martin, you have Tari Eason, you know, smoking two layups and then like <laughs> getting a steal in between to try and get two transition layups, right? Yeah. Like you have Jalen Green trying to figure Jaylen things Green's out. Jalen Green's really good. Yeah. You have Kevin Porter, who signed a new contract, but is still mm-hmm. in a contract year because of the way that contract is yeah. signed and like yeah. structured, it seems like. It's it's the uh, correct way to handle a contract <laughs> extension with KPJ. It just is. It's just the best. So like when that team and then with Orlando, with like the weirdness that is Bull Bull, and then yeah. obviously Paulo oh, being yeah. incredibly exciting, and then the mm-hmm. Oklahoma City Thunder with Shea Gilgis-Alexander putting on a superhero cape every night and yep. Poku being Poku. Like you can run through all of these teams the pistons with Cade cunningham Jaden ivy it's just so fun but we're spending time talking about the bottom of the league and the whole idea is to talk about the top of the league here let's do it and i think we I, look i think if i was awarding mvp right now i think Giannis is the best player on planet earth mm-hmm. i think i would still give mvp to luca given the way that the mavericks have and he have started this season yeah uh I know that the Bucs have the best record in the league. Giannis has been a superhuman and a cyborg all rolled into one, but I, I can't get past like the Michael Jordan act that Luka Doncic is putting together so far. Yeah. He's 34.8, eight and eight. He's almost 50% from the field. He's shooting 70% in the restricted area this year. It's just absurd. 51 of 81 in the restricted area this year. He's number one in free throw attempts. In the league, he's a the Mavs are a plus 5.2 and is on the court. 43% usage rate is where it's just, I mean, I don't even know what to do with that. And it's, and I look at it, and some years we've, we've had stuff like this with James Harden, we've had some stuff like this with Russell Westbrook, and you can look at the team and say, well, you know, like Victor Oladipo should probably have the ball a little bit more, like things, but you look at it, you're like, yeah, it's correct. Like that's the correct number for <laughs> for Luka Doncic. He's that good. He's first in win shares, first in box score plus minus, first in vorp, first in assist percentage in the league. I don't. He's the guy. Like if we're talking about the most valuable player, the player that brings the most value. However, you want to define value, like it's Ben Luka. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Okay, so I just want to compare Luka Doncic. It. 23 years old to Michael Jordan at 23 years old. Uh, this was Luca's fifth year. This is Luca's fifth year. This was yeah. Michael Jordan's third year. Yeah. Michael Jordan's third year is like, uh, honestly, like there's a real case that he peaked offensively in his third year. Yeah. Like he was, it was that mix of just like unbelievable athleticism, like just superhuman athleticism, getting to the foul line at an ungodly rate defensive ability just off the charts so michael jordan played every game that year played 40 minutes per game 37 points on 11.9 free throws per game uh 48 from the field 85 percent from the line had a true shooting percentage that was six points better than league average or no i'm sorry four points better than league average free throw um percentage 12 percent better than league average Luka Doncic right now 
35 points per game, 49.8 field goal percentage, getting to the line 11.2 times per game in 37 minutes per night. The eight rebounds and eight assists, which is a little bit different than what Jordan did. Hmm. But in terms of scoring, six percent better than or six percentage points above league average in terms of true shooting percentage, right around league average in terms of free throw percentage. This is like a genuine comparison. Yeah. right now and like and luca's leaving stuff on the table because he's not shooting the three ball well yet yes right like and they're both like mid-range assassins that lived at the foul line at this point like look you couldn't find two players that do it differently aesthetically than right. luca Doncic and michael jordan mm-hmm. but like the end results here are pretty similar through this early stage of the season and we'll see if luca continues this <clears throat> we're through what 12 games or whatever mm-hmm. but like this this is where we're at with Luca. Like yeah. these are the comparison points that are genuine and real, and we need to discuss him as such. And because of that, he is carrying the Dallas Mavericks, who are only ten games through their season. I'm sorry, yeah. into uh, a real you know potential playoff berth when this team around him is just not very good. Yeah. I mean, they've got they've gathered together some good three and D players, which you need. They definitely are missing a Jalen Brunson type of player. Like they need yeah. another ball handler if they're going to have success in the playoffs. This is super fun in the regular season. Like Dinwiddie shooting great from the corner, hadn't taken a ton of attempts. Josh Green is a story that I don't really hear fun. a lot. Great on defense, fifty three percent from the corners this year. He's been legitimately very good for them. And a guy that a year ago, I sat down with Tim Cato in Oklahoma City. And we were talking about what a waste of a track pick Josh Green was. And yeah. we're discussing all the other players they could have had. And Josh Green last year in OKC when he played was very bad. This was just a bad player. Yeah. And this year, he is different. He's changed. So like credit to the Mavericks and to Josh Green for developing. And you know, Luca is learning how to use him. And then Dorian Finney-Smith is awesome. He's 44% for the corners. THJ is back. He's 38% for the corners. You know, having those players, that's great. Like, you need those guys. But they're missing somebody. And maybe Jalen Brunson ultimately wasn't going to be the right guy to be there. So maybe right. they made the right choice. We have to remember, he's Luca's 23. He's not 26. He's not 27. Like, we are still in a pre-prime age. And he's doing this. So we are st- we're still pretty far away from like the best version of Luka Doncic if all things work out. And maybe the Mavs are doing the right thing by letting Luka just do this for a year and maybe they do find the right running mate for him later on. It's just right now people look at it and say, well, they're kind of wasting some years with Luka, but I don't know. This is kind of fun for me. <laughs> I kind of like watching like you know him using almost all their possessions. I kind of love it. I'm having an absolute blast. Well, like yeah. watching Luca. I, I hate watching the team. Like I don't. I don't love watching the Mavericks <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I love watching Luca. He's incredibly yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, the other guy that's having like peak year so far is Giannis. Yeah. Uh, Giannis has been. Giannis is at 32 points, 12 rebounds, five assists. Um, he's just he's just like a world destroyer there's not really another way to describe it like he's so physically imposing he's the most dominant player in the league and then on top of it he's one of the best defenders in the world like 
you can parse through Draymond Green, Bam Adebayo, Giannis, OG Ananobi, I think has been phenomenal to start the year. Sure. Like a number of guys you can parse through. Giannis is on the list in terms of the best defenders in the world. Rudy Gobert, I, I don't want angry Utah fans that are still uh, <laughs> Gobert fans to yell at me um, about the Gobert era in Utah. But it, it's just remarkable how he keeps getting better. Like yeah. he's continuing to add little mid-range game. Like he's continuing to figure out little tricks of the trade to be able to get to his spots. Like he he's phenomenal. And mm-hmm. he is, it, it, to me, there is a clear top two in MVP and it's Luca and Giannis. Mm-hmm. I think there's a clear number three. I think that I would have a clear number four, but I'd be willing to hear arguments. And then the rest of it is kind of all over the place. But yeah. those two at the top are the order one and two in some order, I think, so far. Yeah, I think Luca just his individual dominance and just the way that the Bucks have dominated without Chris Middleton there. Yeah. And they they definitely miss him offensively. Their offense is clunky at times. But the way that their defense has performed and they just get enough offense, they're they're absolutely dominant. And I've I've seen the, the Bucks play twice without Giannis. And the defense that's in place with the Bucks already is just like outrageous. Brooke Lopez looks like Brooke Lopez from five years ago on defense. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's yeah, he's been unreal. But Giannis, he's shooting seventy-seven percent in the restricted area so far this season. He shot a hundred and five shots in the restricted area this year. That's only it's second only to uh, Zion, who Will Guillory described as like a, an expert dart thrower when it comes to his. Uh, <laughs> his shot chart um i i i think he's unstoppable i think that yeah. we are now s- starting to see prime Giannis, which is scary for the nba because i think he's far and away the best player in the league and he doesn't he doesn't even have a jumper yet like it's i still think it's a work in progress he's 26 percent on his mid-range jumpers this year that would be it's he should that's 26 percent. he's that's the worst of anybody that's taken 30 or more mid-range jumpers this year so like he's still but working he's taking on that them. like that's the thing like i i i love it like they're they're 10 and one yeah and he can and he can figure out his game while being 10 and one like that's <laughs> that's what's terrifying is that the bucks are that good that he's just like yeah i'm just gonna try to figure this out you guys you guys do yeah. your thing i'm gonna take three or four mid-range shots a game and try to get this polished. And then by the time I'm 28, no one can stop me. I thought this was a really interesting question that someone posed on Twitter. Who do you think does the best job of guarding Giannis in the NBA? Hmm. Oh man. You know, it's like an impossible job. An impossible job. No, it's, it's impossible. You have to have length and athleticism to do it. You know who did a great job the other night was on Yeko Kongwu was honestly that that's like a it. top five answer. Yes. Yeah, he was so good the other night on Giannis just because he brings like this ferocity to the game that not many guys do. Yeah, and in like this like really rangy but athletic like body, and most guys try to meet him yeah. at the rim with somebody big who's a little bit slower, and so Kongwu is not as big, but he kind of brings that um, you need like i think that the thing more than anything you need is the strength and the ability to withstand contact 
like the can you ability take a to hammer like, to the face. Yes, can you <laughs> can can you take a Stephen Adams kick to the balls? Yeah. and stand. Yeah, like that 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 is that is it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nyeka does a really good job. I think Bam Adebayo does a good job, mm-hmm. like for as good as someone can do. Yeah. Um, Rob Williams when he's when he's whenever he's healthy does a pretty Rob good job. Rob Williams does a pretty good job. Yeah. They they like do such a good job of like swarming him mm-hmm. a lot of the time. That's what you have um, to do. It's not you, yeah, you can, totally. if you're trying to do it one on one, you're you're toast. Yeah. 100%. Um those are the guys that like immediately jump off the page to me though. Yeah. Like like Pascal Siakam, like God love him, like they try and run that out sometimes. And like you would think Pascal works, but he's just like a little bit too thin mm-hmm. to do it. Like OG isn't quite big enough. It feels like he has a chance yeah. to be big enough, like maybe next year. Um, and he's looked really, really good defensively. Like he honestly, like I think that Brooke Lopez and OG and Anobi so far and Giannis would probably be my three defensive player of the year guys yeah. right now. Yeah. For me, if it's you Brooke. made me pick. Yeah. Brooke, Brooke is he's outrageous, man. Like we did so for Saturday Slam and Jam. We did the wheel. The wheel of fandom landed on the Bucks for last week, and I just watched a bunch of Bucks and read all about it. And it's like, man, like Giannis kind of has it made a little bit with this team defensively because he can he can literally roam and do whatever he wants or whatever he sees fit, and he usually does the right thing because they have this ready made defense of like skeleton that's just already there. And it's just like, you know, the crazy go do your thing, Giannis. Yeah. That's almost why I thought that like his best defensive year was last year Mm -hmm. when Brooke was out out. for 70 games or whatever. And he had to like hold their defense up on his shoulders. Like he is Atlas and he did it. And he was like their primary rim protector. It was unbelievable. I thought what he did Mm -hmm. defensively last year, but let's move on to the guy that I think is clearly number three. And then we'll talk about some of the other players that have been incredible to start the year. I think Jason Tatum would be very clearly number three right now. Yeah. Um, All due respect to Donovan Mitchell, John Morant, um, Damian Lillard is another really, really good uh, example. Shea Gilgis Alexander has been great so far this year. He'd be in my top 10. I don't know if I'd have him top five necessarily, but Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of guys that you can point to Devin Booker, whoever, right. Um, Jason Tatum, I think, would clearly be number three right now. Uh, he yeah. is averaging 31, 7, and 4 on 50, 38, 88. He's carrying every lineup that he's in right now. Jalen Brown's been great, but like the level to which Jason Tatum is like a different beast when he's out there for the Boston Celtics is just so real. Yeah. Um, yeah, like he's generating pull up three pointers at a rate that we haven't seen previously from him. He is dominating the game uh, on both ends of the court. I think he's been really, really good defensively, taking another step forward there. This is the best offense in the league so far, along with Dallas. It's just a remarkable uh, start from Jason Tatum. Yeah, it's 24, too. Just like, how is this guy 24? You watch the way that the game has slowed down for him this year and the way that he surveys the floor and he's finding his teammates it really is different. Like there's something different about him. You can tell that he was really focused in the off season on just becoming a better basketball player. 
Not that he needed yeah. to become like a much better basketball player, but he did. Like he did that. And he, well, he has and, a, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like you bring up like the patience almost, right? Like yeah. it's the patience to like yep. kind of hold his ground in the mid range and like keep his dribble alive. Mm-hmm. The other thing that that has really helped, it's definitely helped his passing. 100% agree with you. It's helped his ability to get to the foul line. He's averaging nine free throw attempts per game. If you remember when Tatum came into the league, like part of the issue was, oh, yeah, like can he actually get consistent penetration or is he going to have to live off of these like catch and shoot three pointers and mid range, you know, gunner type shots. But now because he's strong and has those enormous shoulders and he can hold his ground and is very patient, he has that ability to just like get defenders just slightly off their balance and slightly off their axis and then go up and draw a foul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He he's fifth in free throw attempts. Uh, yeah. total free throw attempts in the league this year, which like that's the sign of a star. You know, yeah. the guys who get to the line, those are the stars. And Tatum is one of the best in the league. He's been great. My biggest knock on him is that stupid Carl Malone dunk. Like, don't do that, bro. I just don't. I don't like that. That's not cool. Don't. We, we don't, don't like Carl Malone on this podcast. Don't remind me it, of Carl Malone. You remind me of Carl Malone. You're, you're out of the top level of MVP. That's why he's been knocked down. I also like Carl Malone. Like, isn't even is, wasn't even like a cool. He's like, not dunker. cool. Yes. Why would like, you do that? That's what I don't yeah. get. Like, shout out to Carl Malone. Why are you giving a shout out to Carl Malone in 2022, Jason Tatum? Like, give me the we D Brown. Give me something else. Don't do that. Yeah, we don't got to do that. Uh, yeah, Jason Tatum has been incredible this year. Uh, he, like, I, I've seen some MVP lists that like don't have him in the top five and i'm just like what are we doing (laughs) 31 (laughs) 7 and 4 is enough to get you on the top five list i mean that's it's insane what he's done so far this season for the second best team in the east yeah like third best team in the league it's yeah very clear uh who who is the i guess the guy that comes up next to me i would have donovan mitchell at four right now yeah would he be like clear for you at four He's been awesome. I I don't know what it is about. I just love Ja. And I think what yeah. he's done with this team and kind of they're younger this year and he's having to carry a little bit more of the load and they're he can't rely on some of the other vets that were going to be out there with him like they were last year and he's still carrying this team. They're 8 and 4. He's 28, 5 and 7, 48, 45 from 3 and 80% from the line. The, the Grizzlies are plus 15 when he's on the court. Yeah. Of all the guys that we're talking about, nobody else has a number that high. Yeah. So like that really stuck out to me and just the, how relentless he is. And you know, I watch I watch all the Thunder games and I watch all of Shea. And like so like switching over to watching Jaws just like it's watching a different sport almost. Just the way that they, those guys play is unbelievable. He's so explosive. Like Shea is like, I'm going to slither around and like make space that isn't there. And yeah. Jaw is, I'm going to bulldoze you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And but it's, it's like not great. even, it's not like Giannis bulldozer. It's like this incredibly like balletically explosive bulldozer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how to really describe it. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of hair. There's a lot of hair this year, you know, a whole lot of hair. And I like it. I like it a lot. 
I do too. Uh, ja would be six for me right now. Okay. Um, and he's like kind of right in this tier. Mm-hmm. I had Donovan at four. I think Donovan has just been so remarkable to start the year in terms of his scoring efficiency. He's averaging yeah. 32 on 51, 45, 86. He's taken really, really well to playing with Darius Garland. He has carried the team in the six games that Darius Garland has missed. Uh, He has been, his ability to kind of transition into playing both on and off ball uh, at times has been just such a critical cog for the Cleveland Cavaliers at this point. But like most of the time he's on the ball and he's just absolutely fucking dominating. Like there's just not another way to put it. it. He's got great teammates and they certainly are helping him, especially with screening and stuff like that. But he still takes some pretty friggin' difficult shots out of ISO. And he, he's 1.25 points per possession in isolation so far this season, which is just absurd. And then as a pick and roll ball handler, 1.13 points per possession, which is pretty nuts. I mean, he's been, he's been really, really good um for the Cavs it's it's been great to see just because he you know a lot of people were like I don't know if it's worth it for the Knicks to trade for Donovan Mitchell and like if you're watching this guy like yeah it'd probably be worth it for the Knicks to have a guy like this he's pretty good yeah I I was like a little bit questionable on that Mm -hmm. I I have some regrets on those takes yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's been unbelievable and I don't know if just some of it some of it could just be like he's having a really hot start and he's going to cool off a little bit and then some of it could just be that man we all know as people when you're not in the best situation for you like mentally you can't be the best version of yourself and there was a lot of that going on in utah last year and getting to a new situation that feels fresh those guys love playing for their coach they love playing for each other it's it's evident and that's really I mean, honestly, it's just these human things that happen to NBA players that we don't really consider like that could be why this boost is here. But man, just looking at like the raw numbers of some of these guys, like we haven't even talked about Devin Booker, who's 27, four and five. And, you know, the same patience stuff that we talked about with Tatum is, is there with Booker, too. And he's just been he's been outrageous and like. Jokic, who we won't probably give much time to just because his numbers just aren't as eye-popping as they were last year, at least so far. Like, he's like the ultimate guy of... He has somehow had, like... patience. Yeah, like, he he has somehow had more highlight-level moments playing with, like, Jamal and Michael again. Yeah. But has been less, uh, like, dominant. I guess it feels like maybe is the way to put he, it. He like yeah. almost doesn't have to. I watched him in OKC a few weeks ago and he like at halftime, he took one shot. Yeah. And, like, and, and let me, let me be clear here. Killing people. Nikola Jokic is averaging 21, 10 and nine yeah. to start of the year. Like That's he's been good. unbelievable. He's shooting 60% from the field, mm-hmm. 88% from the line on six free throw attempts. Per game. Like he's been great. He's, he's unbelievable. Been, yeah. He's definitely a top 10 MVP candidate. Yeah, but like, I, I don't know if he's quite in the ballpark of some of these other guys, just because of how good the other guys have been. Yeah, the last guy that I feel like we have to bring up is the guy I would have at five, which is Damian Lillard. Mm. His just sheer presence has completely altered this Portland Trail Blazers team. Yeah. yeah, he's averaging like 29 points per game, and you know he's been phenomenal across the board. Forty uh, percent from three on ten three point attempts per game, forty eight percent from the field. Like there, there's just 
66 true shooting percentage like his true shooting percentage is 16 percent better than league average right now which is just yeah. absolutely bonkers um just completely crazy completely completely crazy yeah in iso he's 1.39 points per possession which is that makes no sense like you shouldn't be able to do that out of isolation like you just give it to dame every time and the the difference that he's made with this team like you said just culturally and what they've built there are i mean there were way more skeptics than believers even in portland you know people that covered the team are like yeah maybe they make the play in you know and maybe that still could be the case but they're eight and three so far and they've played some tough teams. They beat Phoenix twice. Phoenix is good. You know, this is this is a good Blazers team that looks well coached. They play great defense. They play the right way offensively. And yeah. you know, Dame is the reason why. And he's Dame could have probably played through a little bit more of this injury stuff that he's that he's dealt with. And yeah. He's taking a slower approach to it, which I think is the right thing. Like, there's just some like much more maturity happening with this team that I think will will pay dividends, you know, in Down April and May, hopefully. Yeah, uh, let's take a quick commercial break, and then we're gonna jump into the Lakers because who boy. <laughs> Okay, Andrew, we're back. We're going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers now. The Lakers are two and nine. They have the worst offense in the league, not by an insubstantial margin. They also have fallen to 18th in defensive rating, which I think is actually like a critical number that I I thought Jason Timpf over at the volume uh, network that Colin Coward has did a really good job kind of explaining what seems to be happening where Mm -hmm. like it feels like they know that they have to play so fucking hard defensively every single moment of the game. And it's just hard to do that. And you get demoralized and like, you know, you you watch Anthony Davis and it's hard to defend for 48 minutes a night when like you're the guy that is holding this entire thing up defensively. So I, I, the Lakers are in a really hard spot right now. LeBron James has a groin injury seemingly that he picked up against the Clippers last night. We'll see how long he's out. If he misses any time, it doesn't yeah, seem like listed as day to day clarity there. Um, he, yeah. he was pretty clear. It seemed like this is not going to be a month long injury or anything. Mm-hmm. Like he, he said it felt better than when he did it against the Warriors on Christmas day, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Now, nothing else is a good sign here for no. the Lakers. No. Um, I, I don't love the way that the offense really runs. Like, yeah, they don't have shooters, but like they don't really space the floor or take three. So everyone just collapses down. Um, they're not like an offense that overly takes care of the ball. Like, they don't really. What they could theoretically try and do is just like bludgeon teams and try and like win the possession battle by crashing the offensive glass. They crash the offensive glass like very rarely, like they're a bottom five team in offensive rebounding right now. Mm -hmm. So I I just don't know what they do well on offense or what they have a chance to do well on offense. 
Yeah, they don't. They're just they're just yeah. old and slow, and they're relying on guys that are ninth, tenth, eleven guys yeah. that should that are like their fourth and third best guy. I mean, it's just this is just not a good basketball team, is what it comes down to. And it was it was going to be on the shoulders of LeBron and AD to be good enough, and that just hadn't been the case. And they cannot be lifted up by Pat Bev and Lonnie Walker and even Russell Westbrook accepting this bench role, which I think is a miracle unto itself. Like, that's great. Good job. It hadn't really translated to wins yet. And it's, it's not, it is not looking good. I still think they're going to shoot the ball better. I just don't think they can be this bad. You know, no NBA team has been this bad in, I don't know, a decade. Oh, so, years of years now, like eight yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it, they're unsustainably bad, but also where's the, where's the turnaround going to come from? Certainly LeBron, if he can get right, will shoot the ball better. I don't know that Russ can shoot much better than he has recently. And then there's AD and what to do with AD. So th- this is what I want to talk about. And Bill Simmons, who, you know, I am an enormous fan of, and, you know, I, I have no, and you just won't hear me say anything negative about Bill at all. Mm -hmm. Um, He floated the idea of an Anthony Davis potential deal. And Bill has been pretty connected on Lakers things quite recently. Like if you remember, he kind of brought up the idea of LeBron maybe investing in the Las Vegas franchise, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 months before LeBron mentioned it at a press conference. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if like part of my thing that I said a couple of weeks ago was if I was the Lakers, I would go for it. Like I would be willing to move assets because I think that if it doesn't work now, you can move Anthony Davis later and regain a bunch of those assets if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Right. But the biggest thing that they have to do is what I said at the time is pick a direction. Yeah. Right. They need to pick a direction in terms of what they want to do moving forward. Do they want to try and compete for a title? If the answer is yes, then you have to move these picks. Mm -hmm. Or do you want to rebuild? If the answer is yes to that and you don't want to compete, then frankly, you move LeBron and you have a very serious conversation about moving Anthony Davis and you move everyone that you can. Yep. So like what you you need to pick a direction what they're doing right now is sitting in the middle and mm-hmm. that does nothing for anyone the middle period. is the worst place in in every facet of the nba doing something and, in the middle bad and they're in the middle but fucking suck <laughs> like <laughs> yep that, that's the thing they're they're middling their decision making process while being absolutely terrible mm-hmm. on the court yeah and that is that's the thing that you absolutely cannot do. Rob Polinka has been a disaster yeah. over the course, basically since they won their title. Yeah. This is almost like the most dumbfounding thing to me, not moving Russell Westbrook for whatever you could do. And now being 11 games into this season, not really realizing after five games when everyone on fucking planet earth knew that this wasn't working in mm-hmm. moving forward in a better, more coherent way. 
we're past the point of waiting for 20 games, which is what the report was uh, yeah. after the first couple of games this year. It's going to wait until Thanksgiving to just see. I just want to see if this yeah. terrible roster will just suddenly transform into something else. Well, and now we're starting to get pressure, right? Because Chris Haynes reported earlier today that LeBron James is not interested in wasting the 2022-23 season in hopes of reinforcements arriving for the Lakers during the offseason. Yeah. So it, we're going to start to feel that. He shouldn't be interested in that, right. by the way. That, that's the other thing. Like Your timeline does not add up here. There is nothing that the Lakers are doing that makes sense. If you want to go... If you want to rebuild and move Anthony Davis, that's fine. Like, go for it. Like, I think that's smart. If you want to trade picks for reinforcements like Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, Eric Gordon, whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. I think there's a case for that. Yeah. You can't do what you're doing right now. No. You cannot do what you're doing right now. This is the unforgivable sin, what they're mm-hmm. doing right now. They have time to make up for it. It's 11 games into the season, but they can't keep doing this because if the answer is that they want to compete, they're getting too far behind the eight ball to really even do it. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. You, they can't sit on their hands. They have to decide like how important this, the end of this LeBron James era is to them. And from all accounts, like this is the, this is like the Lakers calling card is that they like to keep their stars around like LeBron. I don't think they're going to trade him. I think ultimately they're going to fold to the LeBron pressure and they're going to trade Westbrook and the two picks for some kind of Indiana package. Or I don't know if they can get guys from Utah or whatever, if maybe that costs one pick, but they're going to, they're going to have to do something like they just just have to. The deal I floated with Mark Schindler or Adam last week, I can't remember who was you can theoretically do if the Pacers are willing to do Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, mm-hmm. you can also rope Eric Gordon into that deal very easily mm. by just throwing Kendrick Nunn to Houston if you make it a three-team deal yeah, um, and then send Russell Westbrook to Indiana. Yeah. Um, I-, I would imagine that run. Houston would very strongly consider taking a pick swap for Eric Gordon, like a pick swap yeah. in a second rounder for Eric Gordon or something yeah. like that. So like, could you do a pick swap for Eric Gordon And then could you, you're going to have to haggle with Indiana, right? But a team with Eric Gordon, Buddy Heald, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Miles Turner is a fucking good team. Yeah. That is a team that gives you a chance to compete every single night. Yeah. And I I would do that. I'd be willing to do that if I was the Lakers. Cause I think Mm -hmm. that's a team that like could genuinely, if LeBron is like what we think he still can be, that that gives you a chance to compete at the highest levels of the Eastern Conference, I think. Yeah. But you can't do what you're doing now. And this is where the idea of going the other direction comes mm-hmm. into play. Mm-hmm. If you do decide to move some of these guys, the guy that you move is Anthony Davis. Yeah. I, I think that you let Russell Westbrook's contract expire and don't give up like extra assets to get off of that money because mm-hmm. you can get salary cap space this summer. What do we think Anthony Davis's value is league wide? Cause that's a hard question. I think to answer given the injury history. Yeah. I think it comes down to like who, who's interested, like what, 
what teams immediately come to mind? Because if it's not like three or four teams, then it's hard to say that he's just has a tremendous amount of value. Because if you're a team that's wanting to compete for it, you would presume that it would be a team wanting to compete for a title. Like a team that comes to mind is like Chicago. You know, like Chicago yeah. could use a big like AD to kind of fortify their defense, make them a little bit better offensively. Like I like that. They're the kind of team that's like, oh yeah, that's great. Or if the Wizards could cobble up a trade to where you can keep Porzingis and keep Beal and trade. I don't know, just just a bunch of middling picks. I don't know. That's that doesn't work. But like that kind of team where it's like we need a jolt, we need a just a t- like a puncher's chance kind of team. Because like everybody else, I just don't know that I see it. Like Milwaukee, no Cavs, no. From the Raptors, I wouldn't do it. Would you entertain it if you're Atlanta? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I would. Yeah. Because uh, they they have the money to be able to do it. They have the young players. The yeah. the Chicago one is the one that like immediately stands out to me when you yeah. say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, doing something like Nikola Vucevic, who mm-hmm. would have real value to the Lakers as an expiring contract and would allow them to kind of reset things. Yep. Very easily. Um, Pat Williams, who has shown some real flashes over the course of the last couple of weeks, and looks like a guy that could potentially be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Dale and Terry that gets you there financially. And yeah. then whatever picks you have to Excellent. add. Right. Yeah. So it's like Pat Williams, Dale and Terry, three first rounders, probably. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. And then the Vucevic yeah. deal mm-hmm. that that's actually like a pretty reasonable offer to me for Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, and if you're the bulls, you have Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Hopefully you get back Lonzo. Alex Caruso is super valuable. Maybe you try and keep Io Desumu because Desumu is valuable to you right now. Yeah, he's great. Um, I'm a big fan. Yeah. But like also Io is a guy that only has one year left on his contract. So the Lakers would then have to pay in the offseason. And don't know that you necessarily want to do that either. Mm -hmm. So like there's real value potentially keeping Desumu out of that deal on both sides. No doubt. So. I guess that my idea here is Chicago makes a lot of sense. That team probably is like competing near the top of the East. If you have Anthony Davis for Nikola Vucevic now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your defense is outstanding. I mean, Billy Donovan has proven in the past. If he has the right pieces, he can coach a really high level defense and Anthony Davis can do that. And then you have the, the scoring around him and DeRozan Levine and, I don't know what Lonzo status is, but like that's a that's a high level defensive team that can compete. I don't know that they can win a title, but can they be a really tough out in the second round? Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, The other sleeping giant that always gets brought up in deals like this is Memphis. Memphis is consistently the organization where you're like, okay, like we can figure out a way to make this work. Mm -hmm. Um, They they have money that they can do to make this work. Like they have the Dylan Brooks expiring deal. They have Danny Green's expiring deal. Steven Adams is on 17 million. They just extended him and he has however much money left, but they also have all these young guys in Zaire Williams, Brandon Clark, Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, I can't imagine that they would move Desmond Bain in a deal for Anthony Davis. Heck no. No way. Not even straight up. Not even straight up you don't do it. No. 
Memphis has a billion picks that they could throw into a deal like this. Yeah. Um, the key though, for the Lakers, I think is finding a situation that gives them expiring money mm-hmm. and gives them a crazy amount of draft capital. I actually think that this is weirdly not a complicated deal to construct Yeah. because of that. Like the Lakers are trying to get as many draft picks as possible with the highest upside while also getting the most expiring money possible in a deal back. Yeah. Uh, those deals tend to be pretty easy to construct in terms of structure, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I think that this is like a fairly, if they decide to go down this road, it's not a difficult ask, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, is it, to like is try they, and find uh... the structure. Is a Draymond Green for Anthony Davis swap with um, <laughs> whatever, you know, Kevon Looney or not Kevon Looney, uh, Kaminga or Wiseman or whatever you had to do? If you're if you're moving Anthony Davis, why are you doing that? I guess is my thing. If you're moving Anthony Davis, you should be moving LeBron. <laughs> That's my thing. I know. Like, yeah. Because if you're moving AD, I mean, how do you? how do you figure out a way to make it work with LeBron? I mean, maybe your idea is like you get back all this expiring money, you get back all these assets mm-hmm. that are young and like rising. And then you try and max someone out this summer. But like, I don't really see that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the warriors are, are interesting too. The warriors are straddling the line with all these young guys and either the young guys are going to have to get better and pretty quick or they're going to have to make a decision, you know, because yeah. they're, they have struggled and they don't pass the vibes test either. And so I just wonder about them. I just wonder about that team. Draymond feels like he is expired milk sitting in their fridge that they need to get rid of. And I just, wonder... I don't know. I'm like, I'm like such a fucking Mark for Draymond green. <laughs> like <laughs> I just, I, I think he's I, been awesome to start the year. I know, but I just, I just think the, I just think that it's, it's, it's felt like this for a couple years with the Warriors and him, just like. But they I still won a title last year. I know they did. I know they did. Like, I just, I, I have just had conversations with people that feel like this can't last forever, like this can't last for much longer. And do they want to give Draymond that new contract? And I, I think it's we might reach a, a point of contention with that. Yeah. So I just want to no, get it. I get it. I, I, I don't disagree totally. Um, I, I just, yeah. Look, look, if I was the Lakers, what I would be doing is I would be willing to move at least, I would be willing to move one first rounder and a second yeah. rounder yeah. and a pick swap to try and get miles Turner, buddy healed and Eric Gordon. Cause I, I yeah. think that that's like an eminently, doable deal on some level um and when did the lakers start caring about picks there's that and like if you're indiana why do you like do you think you're gonna get a first rounder for buddy and a first rounder for miles by splitting the assets like that's the reason that you don't do this if you're i don't think you can get a good first rounder for buddy i don't think you can get i think you have to take on the westbrook money to get everything you want i don't I think you could probably get a good first rounder for miles. I just don't think you could get a good first rounder for buddy. I just don't think yeah. you could like, like look around the league, I guess, and try and figure out like, where is the spot 
that would pay a first round pick for Buddy Heald. Um, Milwaukee, maybe. Like, yeah, but but and it's going to be a limited first round pick. Like, that's not going to be a yeah. high level first round pick. So, like, we're you might as well lottery protect that thing because it's it's you're not going to get a lottery pick from it. No, you're no, 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 no. There's no chance they get a lottery pick. So it's just like even trying to find a first. Right? A first. Oh, I got you. Okay. Like just even because tr- like you're definitely because like the idea that I'm the reason that you struggle mm-hmm. with the Pacers deal, right? Is the Pacers are asking for two first rounders, the yeah. 2017 or the 2027 and the 2029. Yeah. So like in theory for the Pacers to not do that offer, they have to have something else on the table that makes them think at some point they can split the assets into something else. So like, or you have to think that the Lakers 2027 or 2029 first round pick on its own is more valuable than anyone else. And I think there's probably a real case for that um, given the way this organization has been run. But like, could you get a late first rounder from Milwaukee or something for Buddy Heald or, you know, Philadelphia or whoever, right? Yeah. I'm just like naming contending teams without really like thinking about it. Yeah, can you um, can you play Buddy Heald in the last seven minutes of a playoff game? The way that he's shooting right now, yes. If he shoots more like, you know, the 38 to 40% guy that he typically is, it becomes more questionable, I think. And you yeah. would probably struggle with it. Yeah. Um, and then like, here's the thing. Do you think you're getting a lottery first rounder for an expiring miles Turner? <laughs> no, you're like, you're not, I can yeah. answer that. Yeah. So I do think that getting one first and like a couple of seconds from the Lakers, if mm-hmm. that first rounder is unprotected in 2029 or whatever, mm-hmm. I think that is probably their best course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think if you're Houston, I don't think you're going to do better than like a potential pick swap with the Lakers yeah. um, in 2028 for yeah. Eric Gordon. But yeah, I wonder how much Eric Gordon means to them though, you know, in terms of like, we just knew we need some adult in the room, you know, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's doing much on look. He could I be doing agree. stuff behind the scenes. I would agree with that. I would totally agree with that. I just, I just, I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe there's room for the bottom to drop out if there's not, somebody over yeah. there i don't know i just they've kept him for so long that you just kind of wonder because I, I mean we've been how long have we been talking about eric gordon traits you know i know so i, I know. just i just i just wonder i don't know i need to ask kelly about this because like the thunder like there's gonna be like kenrich williams rumors again with the thunder this year it's like oh kenrich williams like oh, he would really help a lot of teams kenrich williams didn't go anywhere because he didn't want to go anywhere if the Thunder are yeah, going to sit him for the rest that, of the season, that's the like thing. he doesn't care. You know, I don't know like, what the situation is with Eric Gordon. Yeah, like Kenrich loves Oklahoma and like is loves super it. happy there, right? Loves like, it. Shout out to Lake Hefner. Loves Lake Hefner. I don't know. So, like, it makes sense for them to keep building around Kendri- Kenrich Williams, baby. And that, <laughs> that brings us to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's talk oh. about building around Kenrich Williams. Let's do it. Let's talk about love, this Thunder team. I, I, I love watching the Thunder because they are, and I've said this a couple times on the pod now when I've talked about them, they're just competent. Yeah. Right. Like for a team that is as young as it is, as inexperienced as it is, as at times seemingly thrown together with young pieces as it is, Mark Dagnalt does a very good job of 
having them execute at the highest level possible you could expect from a team that has multiple guys 23 and under on the court at once at all times. Yeah, the, the defense has been pretty staggering because they don't yeah. have a rim protector at all. Uh, our guy Poku is the closest thing to that, and I think teams are shooting like over 60% at the rim when, when Poku's there, so he's not much of a deterrent for, for others. But they just scrap. They play really hard. They have great point-of-attack defense with, with Lou Dort. Uh, if you don't play defense, you won't play. So Trey Mann, if he's not locked in on defense, yeah. Mark will pull him, and he won't play him for the rest of the game. It's like, I'll find somebody else that will play. Uh, and Trey's he, been good, like, to start the year. Yeah. He hasn't shot, like, as well as what he can. But, mm-hmm. like, if you look at any of the lineup data, like, their best lineups have often been with Trey. Yeah, the, the on-offs with Trey are are very good. I think he's maybe second or third on the team. Yeah. Um and Just having like that extra ball handler out there, that extra threat as a scorer has been really helpful. Yeah, he was great last night in particular in the first half. He was on fire from three. He has he has like the ability to hit four or five threes in a quarter for you. I mean, he's he's a guy that I don't think many people know a ton about or have watched much of him. But uh, just know one thing with Trey Mann: if he's got if he's got his hair braided, good Trey. Hair out of braids, <laughs> bad Trey. That's just that's one way. To judge it, he just got his hair rebraided last night. Scored twenty one points last night. Um, we got to talk about Shea because yeah, I was gonna say like let, let's just do Shea Gilgis Alexander appreciation five <sighs> he, minutes here because he is, God. he is taking a step and he is just so clearly the best player on this team and it's not anywhere yeah. close. <laughs> I mean, and you he's... can see you can see already that everyone around the league realizes it. Yeah. And I saw a little report today yeah. from rival executives <laughs> that oh Shea Gilgis Alexander he might not be happy with the losing in Oklahoma City oh no every NBA player hates losing you know like Shea Hot of course take. Shea doesn't like losing and I you know I've yeah. I I talked to a lot of people around the league and like you just don't People just don't know. A lot of people just don't right. know, especially his situation, especially the. And I, I'm situation. I'm not people taking shots know. at Sam Amick for because no, Sam is. The I one would never that. ever take a I shot love, at Sam Amick. He is. He I is love Sam unconditionally. Guy. Yes, he's like great. But when when an executive tells you that, you probably have to write it on some oh, level. Um, if it's on the record, put it out there, baby. Like, yeah, like, but like. Yeah, like I look, the Thunder are not going to move this guy. He's too no. good. First first year of a five year <laughs> deal for Shea. He's just now showing that, like, oh, okay, like he's actually a real all star. Like, he's really that guy. Uh, 31 points, uh, five rebounds, five assists. Then this is the wild thing almost two steals per game and one and a half blocks per game. I mean, this is but like. Do you think he's defending well? Is the question. Actually, yes. Yeah. He... I was going to say, he's been much better than what I have seen previously. Because, so, like, look, I'm a big proponent of the idea that, like, seal and block numbers are often just so drastically overrated, mm-hmm. right? Like, they take up – so he has 3.6 stocks per game, right? 3.6 yeah. stocks is, like, 4% of possessions per game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is he doing on the other 96% of possessions? I agree with you, though. He's been better this year for sure. Yeah, I mean, he – just an example. Like, he took the assignment of guarding Franz Wagner in the clutch – the other night against Orlando and like took him out of the game. Yeah. He knew, he knew the exact, he knew the right shoulder to be on whenever Franz was faced away from the basket. 
and took that away from him and forced him to turn over the other shoulder. And he bricked a jumper because Shea knew where to be. And the, the effort that wasn't there in the last two years is there. And he's and the way that, uh, Mark Degnault describes it as just like he's challenging himself. Like I will definitely have conversations about it, but Shea wants to be great. And he knows that that is his next step to being a great player. And he just honestly challenges himself to be that. And he's, he's been that guy for the thunder. He's honestly been probably their second best defender and just an outrageously productive offensive player. We talked about the free throw line. He's almost 95% at the free throw line this yeah. season. And he shot 70. He's getting there a ton. Yeah. yeah, 77 or 73 of 77 this season. I mean, he's lived at the line in some games. He did that last night. He's, I mean, he's a legitimate all-star. And yeah. if the Thunder were winning games, he would probably be somebody that we would, if he plays like this, would talk about for all NBA. Like, I don't know that he gets there unless, I mean, maybe if oh, the Thunder oh, if... win like 35 games or something like that, we could get into the All-NBA talk, but I don't know that they'll do that. If he is, hmm, if he does this the whole year, I think, if he does this the whole year, 32 points, five and five and unbelievable then I think he probably makes all NBA. Yeah. And that, that was something that seemed like a pipe dream even last year for people that watched him night after night. I mean, he is, he's better. He's a, and he's not shooting threes. He's basically stopped shooting threes. He's like only taking mid range shots and shots at the rim. And he's been absolutely on fire so far this season. I mean, he's been one of the best mid range jump shooters in the league by far. It's it's been it's been very fun watching him do what he does because he's so unconventional in the way that he approaches the game. He's very yeah. steady. His deceleration game is just like he just freezes some guys. He took like this. He did this slow euro step the other day. Yeah, where the defender just like didn't know what to do. He just it looked like he it looked like I had my phone on him and I hit the slow mo like on video. And he just like slow mo did this like Euro step where you're just like, what are you? I don't, I don't even, I don't know this is possible. Yeah. Um, like that's the thing. It's, it's like the incredible, insane, like body mechanics to yeah. slither, like with his footwork and his upper body. Like he, some guys are good at like footwork and being able to maneuver around guys with their feet. Some guys are really good with their upper body at being able to contort their body in different ways. Mm-hmm. Shea is good at both. Yep. And like contorts his body on the ground to slither through guys like he's a snake, mm-hmm. like around, you know, defenders and like flying through like cones that are right next to each other. It's the most egregious metaphor i've ever given on this podcast (laughs) but like it's it's just really good and there's not really any there's nothing like watching shea in the nba right now not to say he's the best player in the league or anything but yeah he's so unlike anything else yeah in the league yeah he he leads the league in drives per game and is just relentless and he's also extremely unselfish almost to a fault at times because 
and this is the thing where people say like, oh, Shea is like so tired of the losing. Shea is doing what he can to help his teammates develop too. And he recognizes and acknowledges that he needs to develop as well. Like when I ask him about the development of other players or the development of the team around him, he always says, that's me too. Like I'm still developing. Like I'm still trying to get better. He doesn't think like, oh my gosh, like how can I win with these guys? You know, like this is crazy. I threw out to Lou Dort and Poku and they airballed five threes in the last four minutes. Like this is insane. He recognizes that like this is a process for me and for these guys. He trusts his teammates. Whether the results work out or not, like he's like he's very process oriented too, which is like a very thunder thing. Like you you ask Mark Degnall anything about the results of shooting, and he's like, Well, like that's getting wrapped up in the results. He's like, and I'm not getting wrapped up in the results of, of shots or this or that. Like, is the process right? And that's Shea is like, you know, as much as he can be like engrossed into like the into the Thunder culture. Yeah. And I don't think that he's wanting to eject from that at all. And like, there's also like the idea that the Thunder aren't are doing wrong by Shea by not building around him now. But it's like not recognizing how young he is he's still 24 and i mean i just look at utah and what they did to try to build around donovan mitchell and they went and got all these players and they tried to build around him and they brought in these older guys that were ready to win now all these win now players well a lot of those win now guys are like out of their prime and into like the latter half of their nba career and mike conley and boyan and all these guys and he's like well, now I'm ready. Like now it's time for me to win. And now I'm looking around and it's either guys that are past their prime or it's Rudy Gobert who is like annoyed with me all the time. So like, right. I'm out of here. Like, get me out of here, please get me out of here. And now they but, have Chet in Oklahoma city and now they have, yes. Like, and now the Josh Thunder are, and Trey. And, yes. When you look now, whenever right. and Shay, when he gets to 25, 26, he will be looking around saying, okay, now I have guys that are ready to compete with me now because right. now I'm in my prime. Now I'm now it's time to win, and so like, and they now have the assets to go out and get more guys. Exactly, in they have multiple Shea's picks in twenty five and twenty six to go and actually get the guys that are ready to win now. Then, like that's that's the idea behind the Thunder rebuild. I know a ton of people have a lot of qualms with the way they're doing it. It may not work. I don't know that it's going to work, but this is this is the idea. Like this is the plan. It's like it's not. Let's build around this 24-year-old Shea Gilders-Alexander today. It's, hey, let's build around 26-year-old Shea and 24 or 23-year-old Chet and 22-year-old Giddy. And, like, let's build around those guys, not around 19-year-old Giddy and 24-year-old Shea and 20-year-old Chet, who's in a boot right now. Like, we're not building around those guys. We're building around those guys whenever they're all in their overlapping primes. Like, that's, that's the idea. Okay, last thing. Poku Corner. Explain for the people why I am not crazy mm-hmm. for my enjoyment of Alexei Pokushevsky. I'm not even going to talk Poku Corner. Mm. I just want Andrew to be able to explain why Poku Corner is a real thing and Pokuism should exist. Yes. So before the season, I was asking Mark Degnault during training camp about like who stuck out this year you know during camp like who's vocal tell me who you've noticed and first he brought up jeremiah robinson earl great guy wonderful man but then he said and poku 
and I was just like, I was perplexed. And so I sat there for five minutes and then I said, Hey, tell me about Poku because a year ago we sat in this room and you told me that the screws on Poku needed tightened. And now you're telling me that he's like one of like the leaders out there. So like, tell me about it. And then his first words were, and he actually interrupted me while I was restating my question. He said, the screws are tight on Poku. And so like, that was the first sign that that things are getting real with Poku. I just got chills, Andrew. Let's go. (laughs) He, he actually looks like a normal basketball player. 80% of the time on the court now, (laughs) which is a revelation. He has strung together several possessions that like two and three possessions that are actually good and normal in a row, which is just, yeah. I didn't even know it was possible. Like he'll make a great defensive play and he'll go on the other end and he'll swish a corner three. Uh, he is back up above 40% from the field. You know, that's a good thing. He's 33% from three and he's playing a lot of center this year, yeah. which ultimately probably not the best position for him. He's probably too skinny, but he's actually playing with some physicality, which was impossible for him last year and the year before. And if, if you, and very few people watch the thunder, I get that. But this time last year it was, Oh no, we're 10 games in and Poku should probably go to the G league. Like he's not good enough to play NBA basketball. And this year, that's just not the case. He was one of the best players on the floor for the Thunder last night. And this game that they almost beat Milwaukee, uh, he was great. And he is becoming a connector on offense, which I think is one of the biggest things. And it's not like he's getting assists, but like out of the short roll, he knows how to move it. He, he can survey the floor pretty well. And the game is slowing down for him some. Now he was 17, 10, two assists, two steals, two blocks last night. I mean, that's, I mean, he's becoming like a real NBA player. I don't know how good he's going to be. I don't know it whenever the Thunder are actually ready to compete against real teams. Like, can Poku play in the playoffs? Like, now? Like, probably not. But in two years, is Poku going to be able to compete in the playoffs? I, I think there's, you can make the case that he Maybe. can get there. Because offensively, he knows how to play. And he knows how to, pl- more importantly than knows how to play, he knows how to play the style of play the Thunder want to play. He, he actually like does have like a real processing brain. Yes. Like when he is just reacting to things, like he actually does things pretty well. It's more like the preordained decisions that he makes sometimes. Mm-hmm. And just like, like I've texted you multiple times. I feel like, like it's the moments where like he pulls down his pants in the middle of the court and takes shit. <laughs> and you're just like, wait, what happened here? But a lot of the time it's because of yeah. like preordained things that he decides in his head that he's going to yeah. do. Like yeah. I'm going to go in and I'm going to like take a trailer three this time, like yep. regardless of what happens. All mm-hmm. um, over his last five games, Poku has averaged 12 points, seven rebounds, two assists, two blocks, a steal, shot 48% from the field, 39% from three. Yep. That is a normal NBA player. Yep. He's 20 years old and he like is incredibly skinny and has gotten way stronger and can actually do things like I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm along for the ride with Oklahoma yeah. city fans on Poku. This is, 
this is a bit, but like, it's not a bit like that's the thing. <laughs> it's becoming not a bit be- and, it, and mostly because of the way that the people around the thunder talk about him now, because <clears throat> with teammates before, like I would talk to guys a lot preseason, like, you know, who looks good, who's playing well. And I would ask them specifically about Poku, his rookie season. And then last year, and like the the tone is like, yeah, you know, he's pretty good. You know, he's super good. You know, it's which just means like, yeah, he's not ready at all. And yeah. like this year, the tone is like, oh yeah, like Poku's ready. Like he's improved. He's he's actually a lot better, and he's you know a lot stronger, which has mattered a lot. He doesn't look strong. I get that, but he his base is a lot stronger than people would give him credit for, and he's done a really good job, you know, of getting stronger and improving just his overall awareness of the game. And he's, I think that he could be at like peak. I think that he could be like a really high level role player that, you know, I think of if everything goes perfectly, like he could be like a Boris Diaw type player, like decision maker with the ball, can play from the big position, can probably like play some small ball five if you want him to, um, can do some really strange things for his size, like can play a little point here and there, um, but not a primary score, not a primary initiator, but just like a guy that's connecting your offense and is like good enough and smart enough on defense to make an impact. Right. Okay, Andrew, let's get you out of here. Let's do it. Tell the people where they can find you. Tell the people what's going on. Uh, if you want to listen to more talk about Poku and the Thunder, you can listen to my podcast called Down to Dunk. Uh, you can hear me on the Athletic NBA show on Monday nights for the Daily Ding. And then on Saturdays for the Saturday Slam and Jam, we are talking about the Pistons on this Saturday with James Edwards, who is just a fantastic writer here at the Athletic. The so uh, those are the places that you can find me. Uh, yeah, lots of podcasts, lots of fun, but, uh, would love to have you guys, uh, listen to any of our shows. Absolutely the best. Uh, go subscribe to the athletic, uh, go to game theory podcast with Sam Cini YouTube, subscribe there, rate review, subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, whatever podcasting platform you use to listen to apps. We will be back, uh, later Next week with more, Adam Spinella will be back on Sunday night going into Monday morning. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.